the book of Judges tonight, but we're going to start in uh, Psalms. I want to read just one text in, uh, in uh, Psalms 139, and uh, we'll be looking at verse 23 and 24 to get started with here. I want to ask Brother Bill, if you would, maybe to bless the preaching of God's Word, and we'll get started. Dear Lord, thank you so much for allowing us to be here tonight, dear Lord. We do pray, Lord, that you'll take this time, Lord, and be with our pastor, give him the words, Lord, that you have yes, us to give, Lord. Lord, we do pray, Lord, you'll bless and meet with us now, and we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Psalms chapter 139, and uh, verse number 23 and 24. I want to start and read these verses. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Uh, tonight, following the service, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. And when we do this, it should always be a time of self-examination. Unfortunately, we've not been able to do this for quite some time now. Praise the Lord, we're doing it tonight. Um, but at this time, it's a time when we check to see if there's anything amiss in our lives. And uh, you know what the folks, the, the reality is that we as believers ought to examine ourselves daily. Okay, We ought to examine ourselves daily to see if we've somehow gotten off track. Because the reality, you know, oftentimes, especially for us as believers, uh, we aren't going to just go off the deep end all of a sudden and just jump into some sort of horrible sin. Okay? Uh, but what is more likely is that we would start to drift. We would start a slow drift into some sort of sinful behavior or some sort of uh, compromise in our life uh, where God would not want us to be until one day we wake up and come to our senses and find out, realize, you know what, I'm now in a very bad position, very far from where God wants for me to be. And so... You know, listen, when, when we justify these little compromises in our, in our Christian life, these little compromises add up so that in time we're going to find that we have drifted into sinful territory much further uh, than we ever anticipated. And I have seen this happen numerous times. And uh, you see it even in churches. They start little compromises, and before you know it, they're full-blown contemporary and uh, really, they're, they're, they're completely just a rock concert and sideshow and nothing more than that. And so we've got to be ever so careful and diligent about keeping an eye to make sure we don't start drifting, amen? Uh, not just as a church, but as individuals, as Christians, uh, because we want our testimony to be right with the Lord, amen? You know, it kind of reminds me, as I was thinking about this, I had the thought come to my mind, and I know I've heard stories about this happening before, about somebody being in a boat and just kind of drifting out. Uh, but if you could imagine in your mind a child that was anchored in a boat in a harbor close to shore. And uh, that child thinks, well, I can pull up this anchor. It doesn't matter if I drift a little bit because I'm close to the shore. I mean, I can see land. I'm fine. It's no big deal. And so they pull up the anchor. They start to drift. And they drift further away. And he says, oh, well, it's still not that big of a deal. I can still see the shore. It's really not that big of a deal. And before you know it, that boat and that child is swept out by strong current out to sea. And now that child is in a very dangerous and troubling place. Now, this doesn't happen all the time. But if you read the news, especially in coastal areas, you'll see that from time to time something like this happens. 
Uh, some young person is stuck in a boat somewhere thinking they're okay, and all of a sudden they're not paying attention. They're drifting, and then they get caught in the current, and out to sea they go. And it takes the, you know, the Coast Guard to go rescue them. And listen, we don't, we don't want, as Christians, to get to such a place where we've drifted to such an extent where we get swept out to dangerous places in our life. We don't want that to happen. And if we're going to stop that, then we've got to drop the anchor, amen, and say, hey, I'm not drifting any further, and I've got to get back to that place where God wants for me to be. Um, those, little, those little compromises, Christian. You know what? They add up into big catastrophes. If we don't take time uh, to properly deal with them, to openly and honestly examine ourselves and put an end to these little compromises and that slow drift. Um, they, I mean, it's so easy for us we, to, to justify ourselves, is it not? We've got these little different areas, and we say, well, but it's not that bad, or so-and-so does it this way, or whatever. We want all these, all these times, instead of looking at Christ, <laughs> instead of looking at the Bible, we want to justify and say, well, I, maybe I'm not quite where I ought to be, but it's really not that bad because. When you start doing that, that's automatically going to tell you you're drifting, okay? You're starting to drift to a place where you don't want to drift. That's why Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, he looked at them and he, he said, you know your hearts aren't right. You are they which justify yourselves before men. Why? Because your hearts are not right with God. Amen. And so when we want to start justifying the fact that we're not quite where we ought to be, rather than trying to get right where we ought to be, that's a sign to us that we're starting to drift to places uh, that we ought not to be. And it's dangerous. And we, uh, we need to be ever so careful about that. Um, and so... Um, we need to realize that um, we need to openly and honestly examine ourselves and put an end to these little compromises and to that slow drift because we all know when it comes to compromise, when it comes to sin, uh, as you've heard people say over and over again, it will take you further than you want to go and it will keep you longer than you want to stay. Amen. Listen, that is truth. You don't believe me, just watch lives around you. You'll see it right in your life. You'll see it right in the lives of others as well, okay? And it's not what we want for our lives. That's part of the reason for the Lord's Supper, so we can examine and check ourselves and say, hey, have I drifted, okay? Because once we start drifting, we need to self-correct. Otherwise, we're headed for dangerous places, okay? And so... Uh, when we start drifting, okay, we can be sure that the consequences and the loss that we will suffer related to this sinful drift is going to be significant. Okay, don't lie to yourself. Don't deceive yourself. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Okay, when we start justifying that drift, we one day find ourselves in dangerous places and we'll reap something that we wished we never did. Okay, now when I consider this concept, there is one man in, uh, specifically that immediately comes to my mind. The man's name is Samson. Uh, the Bible makes it clear that Samson was a saved man. I know sometimes we'd read what happened in his life and we'd really wonder. Okay, uh, but the Bible lists Samson 
in, in the list in chapter in Hebrews chapter 11 of the heroes of faith. And so we know God's telling us this was a saved man, okay? Uh, but Samson, this saved man, uh, made some serious errors in allowing himself drift, to drift into places where he never should have been. You see, this mighty man, think about this, this mighty man who was gifted with, with strength beyond our comprehension and who had enormous potential and power for God. He suffered the loss of many things in his life because he allowed that which was unholy and that which was sinful to creep into his life. And it ended up costing him greatly in a very great way. Now I want us to turn, if you would, to Judges, chapter number 13. And I want you to notice what God said to Samson's mother when she was getting ready to have him. In chapter 13, read verse 3 through 5. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine or a strong drink, nor eat uh, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. And then verse 7 says, But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and now drink no wine or strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Now you look also with me at Numbers chapter 6. Let's read verse 1 through 6 in this text. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, when either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink, and shall drink no vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink, neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes, nor eat moist grapes or dry. All the days of his separation shall he eat nothing that is made of the vine tree, from the kernels even to the husk. All the days of the vow of his separation, there shall no razor come upon his head until the days be fulfilled in the which he separateth himself unto the Lord. He shall be holy and shall let the locks of his hair and his head grow. All the days that he separateth himself unto the Lord, he shall come. And it also says he shall come at no dead body. So truly, as we think on these, the Bible is making it abundantly clear that Samson had a very high and holy calling to keep himself from that which was ungodly, uh, to keep himself from that which was unholy, uh, to keep himself from that which was unacceptable to the Lord, and to be very set apart and distinctly different from those who were in the world around him. Okay, And this is very much like the Lord expects us as believers to be distinctly different um, as born-again Christians, okay? We're not to be like the world. We're not to be mingled in the world. We're going to be completely set apart and completely different than the world. Uh, look with me, if you would, also at the Second Corinthians and chapter 6. 
at verse 14 through 18. He says here, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with darkness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them, and will walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore? Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And uh, also in Revelation chapter 1, and verse 5 and 6, it says, And from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Uh, listen, folks, truly, it's, it's evident that we are expected, like Samson was expected, to live a holy, set-apart distinctly different life than those who are in the world around us. Uh, because listen, we, we also have a special calling as his holy set-apart people. And when we choose to allow ourselves to, to drift into sinful territory, you know what? We too are going to find uh, that it's going to cost us and it's going to cost us in a very great way. Uh, and so tonight, as we look at this text, this story, really, of Samson, um, I want us to see what Samson lost because he paid no mind to this drift into sinful territory that took place in his life. Now, we probably could add to what I've listed here because I'm just covering a few things. I've got seven things down here I want us to see that happened that he lost uh, because he allowed this sinful drift in his life. And may God help us because we don't want what he lost, okay? Uh, we want to preserve these things in our life for God's glory and our good, amen? And so may God help us as we open this up and look at this tonight. The first thing I want you to notice is that he lost his testimony. He lost his testimony. Look with me, if you would, to Judges chapter 14. And I'm not going to read this whole chapter for the sake of time, but pretty much what I'm covering here covers this whole chapter. But I do want to read verse 1, and I want you to notice immediately what it says here in verse number 1. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of who? Philistines. The Philistines. Okay, now right away we find out a big no-no here. This is, this is unequally yoked. This is pagan. This is, uh, this is comparable to a, a Christian nowadays marrying a lost, worldly, uh, godless individual, okay? And uh, we find now that Samson is compromising his testimony. And when li listen, when you allow yourself to drift into sinful places, let me tell you, one of the first things you're going to lose, Christian, is your testimony. You're going to lose your testimony. He was to be separate. He was to be holy. He was to be set apart. 
Yet immediately in the beginning of this chapter, verse 1, he is seeking out a spouse, a wife, among the unholy pagan Philistines. He was to have nothing to do with them. But yet he was choosing a wife from the midst of them. What an awful testimony that is. But it didn't stop there. Not only is he choosing a wife from amongst the Philistines, we go down just a little bit further. And we find in verse number five, then went Samson down to his father and his mother to Timnath and came to where? To the vineyards. Now guess what, folks? He wasn't to have anything to do with the fruit of the vine, was he? He wasn't even to have grape juice or grapes. Uh, he was not to tell, touch alcohol at all or alcoholic wine. And yet now we find him choosing a wife from amidst the pagans and going down to the vineyard. Do you think you ought to go to the bar to get a drink of water? Shouldn't happen, should it? There's some places Christians just ought not to go. If he was known to be a Nazarite, he ought not to be in the vineyards, amen? If we're known to be a Christian, we ought to not be in the alcohol aisle, amen? We ought not to be in, in places uh, like at the bars, at the restaurants, and things of that nature, because we have a testimony to keep. Others ought to know that we're a Christian, that we're set apart to be different, to be holy, amen? And yet, we find him seeking a wife among the unholy pagans. We find him going down to the vineyards when he was to have nothing to do with the fruit of the vine. And then we find that he was not to touch nor to eat anything that was defiled or dead or unclean. And yet, we go down just a little bit further. And it tells us that he kills this lion. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him and he kills this lion in verse number 6. And in verse number eight, as he returns back, it says, and after a time he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and his mother and gave them and they did eat, but told them not they had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Now, why didn't he tell them that he took the honey out of the carcass of the lion? Because he knew what mom and dad would say, didn't he? He knew that mom and dad would say, hey, you're a Nazarite. You're not to have any part with that. That's defiled. Uh, that's unclean. That's not for us. And yet Samson chose. This is where the drift in Samson's life started. Where, where he said, I don't care. I'm going to choose a pagan wife. Who cares what God says? And I don't care about the vineyards. I'll go to the vineyards if I want to go to the vineyards. And listen, I don't care if it's unclean and unholy. I'm going to partake of it if it's sweet and I desire it. And sure enough, his testimony started to be ruined. Not long after that, we find verse number 11. It says here, and it came to pass when they saw him, they brought him 30 companions to be with. Not only has he chosen a wife of the Philistines, now he has 30 companions of the Philistines. Sounds like he's got some pretty ungodly, unholy company, if you ask me. And so he's chosen this ungodly wife. He's gone to a place of the vineyards where he should not to be. He's taken of that which was unholy in the eyes of God and defiled himself with God, that which God said he should not touch. And now he's hanging around with the wrong crowd in the midst of 30 ungodly companions. 
Think about this, folks. Truly, he has allowed this drift into sinful territory to take place. Um, and let me tell you, one of the very thing, first things that happened to, uh, when, when you start to do this is that you're going to be seen losing your testimony. How many I've, I've seen that have done just that? They've started this drift into sinful territory. And you know what people want to say? Oh, they say they're a Christian. You know, it gives the adversary a reason to mock, doesn't it? Yeah, oh, they're a Christian. Yeah, I really need your Jesus. Look what they're doing, right? Yeah. He was supposed to be holy. He was supposed to be set apart. He was supposed to be different. But instead, he was seen acting in an ungodly way, yoking up with an ungodly woman, yoking up with ungodly people, being where ungodly people would be, partaking of what ungodly people would partake of. And his testimony was ruined. Man. He lost it. This was the start right here. He lost his testimony. Beware, Christian. You know, a testimony is much harder to repair. Um, when, once it's ruined, it's hard to repair a testimony. Beware, Christian, lest you lose your testimony. If the drift has started, put a stop to it! And put a stop to it now! Before it goes too far. Because there comes a time and a place, as we'll see tonight, even looking at this, where it's just too far. I mean, you're going to reap some very awful and horrible things because you just keep letting it go further and further and further. And listen, until you put a stop to it, that's what's going to happen. The drift doesn't stop. As long as you're allowing it, it's going to keep drifting further and further and further and further until finally you reap something so very awful that you wish it had never happened. At this stage, I'm sure that Samson can't completely see this. But the very first thing he lost was his testimony. I noticed number two that he lost his family. Look with me, if you would, at Judges chapter 14 and verse number 20. But Samson's wife was what? Given to his companion, whom he had used as his friend. <laughs> That's kind of a funny thing to say. But his wife was given to his companion. This verse tells us that through this sinful drift, Samson shouldn't have married this woman to begin with, but through this sinful drift, Samson has now lost his wife and she has been given to somebody else. Now listen, Christians, you are not beyond this if you allow yourself to live in ways which God is not pleased with. Okay? If you allow yourself to drift into sinful places, don't be surprised if you lose your family. Don't be surprised if you lose your husband or you lose your wife. Don't be surprised if it comes to your house. Lot drifted. Guess what happened to him? He lost his wife. She was so enamored with the world that she turned back and turned to a pillar of salt. He had children in the city that were so enamored with the world they wouldn't even leave when it was time to get out. And then he had two other daughters that were so full of the world and worldly that when he got out, they did some awful, horrible, sinful things. He really, in essence, lost every member of his family that he had. Man. 
David's drift into sin caused him to lose a number of his children. Think about what David reaped in his life because of the drift he had into sin. And David was a godly man. He was a man after God's own heart, yet he allowed himself for a period of time to drift, and it reaped, he reaped greatly in his family in an awful way. He had one son which even sought to take his own life. That's hard to even imagine. Don't think that your drift into sinful places will not affect anybody. You are very wrong if that's the idea that you have in your mind. Be sure your sin will find you out. And when you reap what you sow, listen, friend, you will likely reap some sort of loss in your own family. I've seen it time and time again. Listen, friend, if it's, it's not worth it, put a stop to the drift. Put an end to it right now. Do it today before you reap the consequence in your own family. And I've even seen this take place in ministers' families where they allowed things into their life they never should have allowed and it affected the children and it affected the marriage. You don't know how many missionaries I personally know who have come off the field because of marital problems and end up getting divorced. How many pastors' families end up having severe difficulties because they allowed some sort of drifting into sin in their life and it affected their marriage and it affected their children? You're not exempt. Don't just don't go there, amen. We've got to examine ourselves, and when we start to see the drift, we've got to check ourselves and say, Oh God, help me. Help me get back to the place where you want me to be. Help me, God, not to seek to justify myself in places where you don't want me to be. Amen. So we, he, we see he lost his testimony. He lost his wife. He lost his family. I see also, thirdly, he lost his appearance. Judges chapter 16, verse number 19 through 20. And I'm not covering this whole story because it's three chapters long. I'm just picking different portions of it for us to... See what's going on here. You probably can find more things if you read through this yourself. But notice in verse number 19. It says, And she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began, she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out this at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. Wow, what a sad, sad story that is. At this stage, Samson has drifted so far if you read the beginnings of this chapter, you'll find him in the house of a harlot laying his head upon her lap. That's what's going on in this chapter. Not only is he now seeking after pagan women, he's going after harlots. And now he is so drifted uh, from the Lord and he's got caught in this sin that his physical appearance and his comeliness is lost in the harlot's lap, Christian. His hair is shaved off. 
and his eyes are put out. I don't know if they were plucked out or burned out, but I don't care which way you talk about it, it wasn't pleasant. Truly what horrible pain and suffering and what humiliation this cost him because he cared not to stop the drift into sinful territory. You know what? Sin has a high cost. And we too will reap in our own bodies. We will reap, let me repeat that, we will reap in our own bodies the consequences of our sin if we are not careful. I've seen many lives and I've seen many bodies that are permanently scarred by sin. Oh, may, may ours not be one of them, amen? amen? I've met so many people that, you know, just talking to them at their door and and they'll, they'll on their own tell me how old they are. And I'll think to myself, wow, I would have never known. When they've smoked a pack a day since they were who knows how old, and they look old enough to be my grandparents, and they're really only maybe 10 years older than me or something. I've seen others who deal with serious health issues related to alcohol or related to immorality. Uh, I've seen others who have ended up in car wrecks because of different sinful behaviors that they were involved in. Uh, there's so many different things that can happen to our bodies because we're involved in things that God is not pleased with. We need to be ever so diligent, ever so careful, folks. Solomon lost, not Solomon, Samson lost his appearance because he was drifting to sinful places. And he wouldn't put a stop to it. You know what? He could have put a stop to it. That very day, he's lost his, life, his, his wife. He could have put a stop to it right then. He didn't have to go to the harlot's house afterwards. But he continued drifting. And the loss became greater, didn't it? Now, not only has he lost his testimony and his family, now he's lost his eyes. And he's been shamed and humiliated. And, and, and his, his, his physical appearance has been marred. Listen, your sin will cost you more than you realize, Christian. The devil tries to make you think you're going to get away with it, that it's going to be okay, that it's no problem. It will cost you far more than you realize. Be not deceived. God will not be mocked. What you sow, you will reap. Okay? May God help us to be honest with ourselves and to stop the drift, amen, when we notice and examine ourselves and see that that's happening in our lives rather than justifying ourselves in that bad position. So we see he lost his testimony, he lost his family, he lost his appearance. I notice also here that he lost his power. Verse 20 of chapter 16. Notice it says here, um, actually, we'll read the whole verse. And, and she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep, and he said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. Now notice this phrase. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. Boy, that's an awful thought. And the Lord was departed from him. Samson had been given a special power. He'd been given a special enabling from on high from God. And yet, because he had become so careless, and he allowed himself to drift into sinful territory, his special enabling, his special power, it was, it was taken from him. He didn't even know it, but it was gone. Oh, how many I've seen who seemed to be great men of God, that seemed to be endued with power from on high from God. 
to do a great and a special work for God. Missionaries and preachers and evangelists and, and church workers of all kinds. And yet, because they allowed themselves to carelessly drift into sinful places, this wonderful privilege and this wonderful position and this wonderful power was lost in the hands of the enemy. Oh, may God help us to be ever so careful that we do not allow this deceptive, sinful drift to rob us of our opportunities to do great things for God. Listen, can you imagine how much Samson could have done in his lifetime had he not allowed this to take place? Boy, he did some great things already. We read about the great things he did, but imagine how much more he could have done had he lived his life for God the way he should have? Had he put a stop to that sinful drift? I don't think we can even imagine the great, the wonderful, the miraculous, the powerful things that God could have done through this man. And yet he missed out on all that. Because he chose to allow himself to drift in, into sinful places and he lost his power and he lost his position and he lost his privilege. I've seen way too many men Men that I know are called to preach. Men that I know are called to serve God. Men that I've seen preach with the power of God upon them. And then they allow themselves to drift. They get careless in their testimony. And before long, you look at them and you wonder, what in the world happened to that person? Oh, may God help us. From the pulpit to the pew, we've all got to be careful. Amen. We're all built of the same stuff. May we not drift. May we be on guard so that we notice when that starts taking place and may we keep that in check so we can live in a way which pleases and honors God and so that we don't reap the awfulness that we're seeing happening in Samson's life. So we see he lost his power. I want you to notice number five. I've got seven things. Number five, I noticed that he lost his freedom. Look with me if you would at verse number 21. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. This is a position no Christian should ever be in. Now listen, sinful things deceptively oftentimes seem to promise us the freedom to do what we please. But the reality is that drifting into sinful behavior always, not some of the time, always leads to bondage and not to freedom. Amen. Usually you don't realize that until it's too late. The pleasures of sin are for how long? A season. A season, A season always comes to an end. They are short-lived. And just like Samson, the individual who foolishly drifts into sinful behavior will soon find out that such loose living will only lead to bondage to our sin and not to freedom. Truth be told, Samson could have put an end to this long ago, couldn't he? But he cared not to honestly examine himself before the Lord. <coughs> And so he ruined his testimony going after pagan women. He ruined his testimony going down to the vineyards and eating that which was defiled and 
hanging out with the ungodly crowd. He ruined his testimony. And then we find him just a short while after that, he's caught in the harlot's house in the harlot's lap. And now he's chained up by the adversaries. Oh, may God help us to put a stop to the drift before we become shackled by sin. Sin brings shackling. Sin brings bondage. And it ought not to be so in the life of the Christian because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the truth shall set you free, the Bible says. We, we ought to not let ourselves get to those positions. God doesn't want us in bondage, amen. He wants us free, amen. Preaching his word, living for God, amen. amen. But when we allow ourselves to drift into sin, guess what? You're going to find yourself shackled. You're going to find yourself in bondage. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It will happen. You want to ignore the preacher tonight? It will happen. Make me a prophet. Go ahead. Because if you ignore the words of God, you'll read just like Samson did in your life, and you'll regret it. And you'll say, if only, if only I listened to the preacher that night, I'd not be in this place, and I'd not have this bondage, and I'd not have these shackles. Oh, would to God that we put a stop to it tonight. As we get ready to look at the Lord's Supper tonight, may we examine ourselves. May we see if there's any wicked way in me. See if there's any error in which in my life I've gone astray, even the slightest bit. Because you know what? That's where it starts. It starts with the slightest bit, just the littlest drifting. And before you know it, you're going to be far from the Lord. Oh, may God help us to be honest with ourselves. Because we so frequently are deceptive and dishonest concerning what we really are on the inside. So we see here he lost his freedom. I want you to notice also he lost his respect. Look at me if you would at verse 23 through 27. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their God and to rejoice. For they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy, and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass, when their hearts were merry, that they said, Call for Samson, that, we, that he may make us sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and, they, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. The Bible says in verse 26, And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I might feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, I may lean upon them. Now the house is full of men and women, and all sorts of, uh, all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made, while Samson made sport. Do you notice here how the enemies of the Lord mocked. They chained up this man who had been mighty for God. The Bible says they made him sport, meaning they mocked him and they made fun of him. Think about this. This holy man, this Nazarite, this individual that was to be set apart for God. He had a great position of respect as a Nazarite, as a judge in Israel, as a mighty man endued with power from God. But his drift into sin 
caused him to lose, lose that respect and to be subjected to the mockery and ridicule in the presence of his enemies. Truly, our adversaries, you know what, as I mentioned earlier, they're looking for such an opportunity. They're looking to say, aha, look what that Christian did. They're not so Christian after all. They want to cast shame on our faith and justify their unbelief. They want to cast shame on our God. And they want to cast shame on the, on the people of God and justify themselves in their wicked way and their sinful behavior. And you know the truth is that when we allow ourselves to drift into sin, guess what? We give them plenty of ammunition, don't we? We lose respect. And our faith is labeled false. And our God is deemed worthless. And our profession of faith is viewed as nothing more than just another hypocrite. Well, may God help us to stop the drift. Not just for the sake of our testimony, but also for the sake of the testimony of our God and our Amen. Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I never want to bring shame to the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't want somebody to look at me and say, Christ isn't real because of him. I never want Jesus because of him. If that's what a Christian is, I don't need it. I don't want anybody to do that. You know how many times I've heard that? Oh, may God help us that we would put a stop to that drift, that we would examine ourselves and see even the littlest of error in our ways that we wouldn't leave opportunity for this stuff to take place in our lives because we stand to lose a whole lot, Christians. We stand to lose a whole lot. Think about just a few things that we've covered tonight. There's more that I could add to this. There's one more thing I'm going to look at tonight, but he lost his testimony. He lost his family. He lost his appearance. He was, he was physically scarred because of this sin. He lost his power and his position and his privilege that was granted to him by God. He lost his freedom and was found in shackled in sin. And he lost his respect. He was made a mockery. And he, his God was made a, they made a mockery of his God and of his faith as well. Truly, what a shameful thing. I, I don't want to do that to my God. I don't want to do that to my Jesus. And I notice lastly that we see that he lost his life. Look with me, if you would, at verse 28 through 31 of Judges 16. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me. I pray thee only this once. O God, that I might be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two pillars the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up of the one with his right hand and of the other with his left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon the, all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he, he slew in his life. Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down. And, and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtol in the burying place of Noah, his father, 
And he judged Israel 20 years. Now, although Samson seems to finally get right here in this text, and he finally gets to, he gets to do one last great deed for God. I like the way the story ends, praise the Lord. It, it reminds me that his mercies are new every morning, that there's, there's still opportunity, even with great mistakes, to still do some last great thing for God. Amen. But despite, despite the fact that in this text he seems to get right and do one last great deed for God, we find that ultimately this drift into sin has cost the man his life. His life was a life that could have been used for many, many, many more years in a much greater way. But because he cared not to stop this drift into sin, it cost him dearly, and his life was snuffed out at a young age. And guess what? He lost out on the opportunity to do anything further for God. Amen. You know what, boy? That's, that's, that's sad, isn't it? You know, I believe there's some Christians who God takes out of here because they allow themselves to drift too far into sin. I believe God will do that sometimes. I think Samson here had so ruined his testimony, maybe this was the only thing left that he could do for God. Truly, may God help us. Listen, folks, may God help us to be honest with ourselves and sincerely examine ourselves, not to just kind of casually browse over the issues of our hearts, but to honestly take an inventory and say, God, please, show me if there's any wicked way in me. Is there anything amiss? Is there anything not right? Because when we start that drift, and when we start to drift and it goes unchecked, Listen, friend, it will cause you and I to suffer great loss in our lives. And possibly it could even lead to my days being shortened if I don't take care of it. The Bible says in uh, Psalms, I want to read this one last time. Psalms in chapter number 139. Verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. We need to openly, sincerely, and honestly pray this way before God. And when he reveals to us any area where we may be drifting, we need to immediately repent and deal with it. Otherwise, we're going to continue drifting further in a direction where we don't need to go. You say, preach, I don't really care that much. Well, you will one day. Because if you allow yourself to continue to drift, there's going to come a day where you, like Samson, are going to experience a great loss in your life. You're going to lose your testimony. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your physical appearance. You're going to be marred in some way because of sin. You're going to lose your power and your position and your privilege. You're going to lose your freedom. You're going to lose your respect before a lost world. You may even get to the place where you actually lose your life because you have so uh, uh, flagrantly lived against God just doing what you wanted to do. Oh, may God help us uh, to stop the drift. Amen. 
Tonight's service is going to be focused, as we finish up tonight, it's going to be focused on the Lord's Supper. Remembering Jesus in all that he has done to save me from the penalty of my sins. But as we do this, we every time we have a time of examination, and I'm not going to have an altar call tonight because we're going to each have an opportunity to pray tonight uh, as we examine ourselves. But I want you to openly and honestly examine yourself. You know, we want revival, right? If we want revival, we're going to have to be honest with ourselves. We're going to have to be open with ourselves. And if we see any wicked way in ourselves, if we see any area where we're starting to drift, we're going to confess it and forsake it that we might have the mercy of God. Amen. And so let us close now in a word of prayer, and then we'll have our Lord's Supper service as well. Let's pray.